Well, good morning and uh, welcome on this Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, we are unplugged from Crossroads in Highland Park today. Campus pastors are preaching there, but welcome to those joining us upstairs at the 01. So uh, my unofficial poll, by the way, suggests that there are Falcon fans here and there's a lot of anybody but the Patriots fans here. So a little Tom Brady hate out there uh, or envy or something, so whatever. Uh, there is tradition that accompanies Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, we sort of pay attention to commercials. We eat chicken wings, other things. Uh, the tradition drives some behavior. We just came through a season, uh, Christmas, where tradition is important. Our family has Christmas Eve traditions, Christmas first early morning traditions, the day after Christmas traditions, right? And those, those habits and patterns drive and inform behavior. Uh, yesterday, we dedicated the, the latest Matthew house. So some of the funds that come out of the offering go to buy these homes in North Chicago, and we're rehabbing them and trying to find people who want to be a big, positive, sort of gospel-centered difference maker in those communities. So thank you for that. But when we, when we open a new home, there's a, a, a habit, there's a tradition of, of giving them a Bible and praying with them and having a party. So tradition informs a lot of the things that we do. And that's good. And tradition is very significant when it comes to this table. But sometimes tradition eclipses meaning. Sometimes we're doing things because we've always done them. We don't actually understand why we're doing them. The tradition has just come to replace thoughtfulness and insight. And so uh, I want us today to sort of uh, take a, a deeper gaze at the Last Supper, which is the transition between the Passover meal the Jews celebrated and the Lord's Supper or Communion or Eucharist, whatever term you want to use. And, and the hope is that uh, it's going to inform your experiences going forward. This is a, the Passover Seder is something that, uh, that happened for, it's, it's happened almost 4,000 years. So it had been happening for 1,400 years when it is adjusted by Jesus. Uh, it, it, it is to this day, our Jewish friends and neighbors have this meal and, and they understand that God is inviting them to use their imagination, the sights, the tastes, the touches to more fully understand who he is and what's carrying us forward. And I hope we can leverage a little bit of that for our own experience as we continue to celebrate uh, communion. So I had a, one of the campus pastors was here yesterday as we were talking through this service, and he said, you know, he goes, I think I've celebrated communion 500 times in my life. He says, but a lot of that was just tradition. <laughs> it was just habit. I wasn't really as engaged as I could be. So we're hoping that we're a little bit more engaged after today. So let me just um, pause and note that uh, we're working through the Gospel of Luke. So this is the 22nd chapter. Uh, it's Thursday night, or perhaps we should say Friday morning, because for the, the Jews, the, the next day begins at sundown. So we would, what we would call Thursday night, they would call Friday morning. So it's, it's Thursday night or Friday morning of Holy Week. Uh, Judas has already made arrangements to, to betray Jesus. 
They then gathered for this Passover meal. And, uh, and they're going to celebrate, again, this, this, as they have been instructed by God, they're going to celebrate and remember the events of their, four, uh, of their forebears when they escaped out of Egypt after the 10th plague. So Moses had gone to the people and had said, okay, here's the deal. Uh, there's one more plague coming. And it is the angel of death, and he's going he's to claim the life of every firstborn male. Now, the way to escape this is for you to take a lamb, an innocent, unblemished, perfect, young, male lamb. You are to kill it according to this protocol. Do not break any bones for the lamb. Then you're to take the blood, and you're to paint the door frame around your house. When the angel of death comes, he will pass over your house. Thus the term, the Passover. And then shortly after that, God instructs them, every year you are to recreate this because they did just as Moses instructed. They, they took the lamb. Um, we have matzah bread because they, they were instructed, you can't put yeast in your bread. There's no time to let the bread rise. We're going to have a very rushed, hurried meal today. And then the angel of death is going to come. And then you've got to be packed and ready to go because tomorrow morning we're going to be freed from slavery. We're going to walk, walk out of Egypt. Okay, so that event was recreated with a meal Every year per God's instruction. And um, we then come at it with a slightly different twist because on that Thursday night, Jesus changed it. So they have gathered in the upper room. In in 24 hours, Christ will be dead. So they're going to leave that upper room Judas is going to go. Uh, Judas is going to is going to walk up to Jesus when they have gone to the Mount of Olives, Garden of Gethsemane. He's going to he's going to betray Jesus with a kiss. The guards are going to come. Jesus is going to be arrested. There's a little bit of a skirmish, right? Then the the, the disciples are going to flee. Jesus is going to be taken away. He's going to be uh, he's going to be beaten. There's going to be the beginning of the charade of a trial. He's going to be shuttled between Herod and and Pilate. Uh, Peter's going to deny him three times. Pilate's going to wash his hands. Jesus is going to be nailed to a cross. He will be dead in 24 hours. So everything is about to happen. But at that meal, Jesus makes this incredibly big, bold uh, statement about the fact that this Passover that they have been celebrating for 1,400 years was actually always about him. And so... um, we're, we're sort of recreating the meal. So just so you know, we're sort of recreating the Last Supper. We're sort of looking at how the Passover would take place today as it continues to take place. So 3,500 years later, the Jews continue to have the same meal. It's exactly the same. Same cadence. You could go uh, at lunch this week with uh, the rabbi from um, the Reform Seminary in Highland Park, Evan Moffat. He's written a book about the Passover. He said, you could go to Korea and not speak Korean. If you're a Jew, you go through the Passover service, you know exactly what's happening. Because it's the same thing every time. Now it gets modified in a couple ways in 
Because after 70 AD, when the temple is destroyed, they can't take a lamb to the temple and have it sacrificed. So we have a lamb shank, which is hard to get. It's not Passover right now. Hard to get right now. Amazon Prime comes through, so we get a lamb shank (laughs) through Amazon. The Jews have replaced the lamb with matzah bread. And so I'll explain a little bit of that as as we're sort of walking through it. The typical Passover Seder meal today is about three and a half hours. So we don't have three and a half hours. I'm going to do it in two and a half hours. So you'll make the second half of the game. Don't worry about that. Uh, So there's a lot of there's a lot of hand washing and blessings and other things that take place during the course uh, of the meal that that I am going to skip over. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a passage out of Luke 22 that sets this up uh, and then walk you through it. So so where we're starting here. Luke 22 opens with Judas going and arranging to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. That's 1 through 6. Then 7 through 13 has, uh, has um, Jesus making arrangements for the Passover meal. It, it actually, there's a lot that goes into the Passover meal then. There's a lot that goes into the Passover meal today. Not everybody can just order a lamb shank, right? I mean, all these things have to be prepared a certain way. And so Jesus makes arrangements for there to be an upper room where the meal is going to be ready and the disciples uh, are sent ahead to prepare it. So now I'm reading Luke 22, beginning with verse 14. And when the hour came, he sat at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I shall not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I shall not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, but behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes uh, as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another which of them it was that would do this. Okay, so two things as we get started here. Um, first of all, just so you know, we have a, I have a matzah or I have a Passover plate in front of me. This is not actually the plate that Jesus used. That's uh, at the Crossroads campus today. So this is one. It's not uncommon for Jewish families to have a special Passover plate. Can we pull that slide up so you can see it? Uh, there we go. So, so this is a this is a Passover plate, and everything is arranged the same way all the time. There is a lamb shank that I have here. This is not eaten. There is an egg that is also not eaten. The, the egg represents new life. There is a bitter herb which we have horseradish. There is uh, fruit, or excuse me, there's a uh, fruit which is fruit and nuts uh, and honey and spices mixed up in something called cheriset. There is parsley, and then we have four glasses of wine and matzah bread. Uh, Salt water, I'll explain that in a second, water to wash your hands. The wine, by the way, is a... um, 
there's now a Passover wine. It's a very uh, inexpensive, tastes like grape juice um, wine. I'm not going to drink any of it because there's, uh, if you count the Thursday night service, we have nine services during the course of the week. So if I drank four glasses of wine with every service, it would um, not be good. So, uh, but this is the table that's set up. So you probably have in your mind a picture of uh, Leonardo da Vinci's The Last Supper. Um, and this is a classic picture. Yeah, you just sort of have to banish this from your mind because just about everything about this picture is wrong. Uh, for starters, uh, they, they, they have bread that has been um, risen with yeast. Uh, they have no Passover lamb. Instead, there's eel. Uh, I don't know where that comes from. And then, of course, the classic joke with this painting is that uh, apparently just before Christ broke the bread, he said, okay, everybody that wants in the picture, get on this side of the table. Uh, and so there's just problems with this picture. But set it out of your mind. They sat in a U-shaped format. And um, so having said that, the first thing that starts for the meal is with the first uh, glass of wine. And there is, a, there is a blessing given. It's two blessings. So blessed are you, God of the universe, uh, for you are the creator of the fruit of the vine. And then, blessed are you, God of the universe, sovereign over all, for you uh, have sustained us and you have brought us to this momentous occasion. And then you drink the first glass of wine. Then, the second thing that happens is um, you take parsley. So, I got a little sprig of parsley here, and you dip it twice in the salt water. And I lost part of it. Oh, well. And the salt water is really salty. And that's because you want the experience of having something that's fresh and something that's bitter. Because life is full of good things and it's full of harsh things. And the bitterness uh, not only reminds you of the harshness of the slavery that the Jews uh, were in, but it also, this idea of, of good and bad, God is Lord and sovereign over all. We're not going to hide from the bad. So this will come up a couple times that, that God is the God of, of joy and God is God in sorrow as well. So we have uh, the parsley. The second thing is we go to, there's three pieces of matzah bread here, and there's theories about why there's three. Some say it's to represent the three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Some say it's the three loaves of bread that, um, that were baked by the widow when Elijah asked her for a, um, a piece of bread, something to eat. Uh, you, can, you can read lots of debates about that if you want. I am instructed to take the middle piece of matzah, and it is broken, and then Half of it is eaten, and uh, this is considered the bread of affliction, uh, and it it will change, and we'll have what's called the afikom, and this is a this is called the lechem oni, the bread of affliction, and it remains the bread of affliction until the Exodus passage is read, and the Jews are liberated. At which point, it becomes the bread of freedom the afikomen, and this is set aside. So what I'm instructed to do 
um, if I am overseeing a Passover Seder, is I'm to hide this piece of bread. So I'm going to set it back there where you can't see it. We're coming back to that uh, in a minute. So there, is, um, there are pieces of, of bread. Then we go to the four questions that would be asked by children. Because this is, again, it's a three and a half hour meal. You have children to stay engaged in what's going on. So they have parts uh, that, they, that they play in this service. Four kids could be, at, could be um, set up to ask four questions. Again, these are the same four questions that were asked for the last 4,000 years, right? Nothing changes in the pattern of this. So question one, on all other nights, we eat bread or matzah. On this night, why do we only eat matzah? Okay. And the answer is, in haste, our forefathers had to leave Egypt and its bondage. So there was no time to put yeast in the bread and let it rise. They had to hurry up and prepare the meal. Question two. On all other nights, we eat all kinds of vegetables. On this night, why do we only eat bitter herbs? Uh, The answer is, in haste, our spiritual forefathers had to leave Egypt. And so they had to only eat what they could find. They are bitter to remind us of the harshness of slavery. Question three. On all other nights, we do not dip our vegetables even once. On this night, we dip them twice. Why? Uh, Now that God has brought us from bondage, we can take time to enjoy ourselves. Fourth question. On all other nights, we eat our meals sitting or reclining. On this night, why do we eat only reclining? The answer is, as free people... Uh, We imitate the Israelites in relaxing at our meal. Tonight is different from all other nights because tonight we will remember what God has done for his people. Okay, so after having having, uh, asked the questions, we turn now to the Passover story. So again, we have an extended evening together. So the Passover story found in the book of Exodus would be read in its entirety. And please remember that the, that the, the Passover is, is a celebration of, a, of, in one sense, the independence of the Jews. They are slaves to Egypt. On the night of the Passover, they get their, their freedom. So this is their 4th of July celebration. This is the day we are liberated. We become our own country again. So it's a very patriotic celebration that takes place. At the time of Jesus, everybody comes back to Jerusalem, if they could, to celebrate the Passover. So hundreds of thousands of people are flooding into the area. It's, it's the 4th of July. It's picnics and parades and all kinds of, you know, red, white, and blue. It's, it's, it's let's be proud for our country. They celebrate an event that says, we're free, God chose us, we're God's chosen people, we're special. He supernaturally delivered us from our oppressors. Well, at the time of Christ, they're oppressed by the Romans. They don't have their freedom. And so Pilate, who is the the, sort of a governor from uh, Rome, Herod was appointed by Caesar to be king of the Jews, uh, Pilate was appointed by Caesar to be in charge of his army in that area. So Pilate is in town 
for the Passover, because if there's going to be a revolution, <laughs> it's going to happen when everybody is coming to Jerusalem to celebrate their independence, right? There's just going to be sort of a patriotic fervor in the air. Now we turn to the second glass of wine. And the person who is leading the, uh, the, the ceremony takes their little finger and dips it into the wine and sprinkles ten drops onto the plate, symbolic in a sense of ten drops of blood. And there is one for every plague. So we start with blood, and then frogs, and then lice, and then swarms, cattle, boils, hail, locust, darkness, darkness, and then death of the firstborn. And then today, and for several thousand years, they do an 11th drop of blood to recognize that there is ongoing, uh, that there is ongoing evil and oppression and uh, sorrow in the world. There is, there is violence. And so it's a recognition of all that is wrong going on. Okay, then um, there's, there's some attention given to the various uh, pieces here on the plate. So the shank bone, this is a lamb shank bone, and it is, it is there because since the temple has been destroyed, they're not going to have lamb. The lamb can't be appropriately slaughtered and sacrificed. But let's just, let's just remember, because this is important as we think about Jesus, the lamb that is to be slain is a perfect, so unblemished, young male lamb. And that lamb was to be brought into the city at a certain point during the week, just as Christ shows up. It's to be kept with them in their home, and then it is to be killed according to instructions without allowing any of the bones of the lamb to be broken. So, Jesus is going to be crucified, and per prophecy, none of the bones of Christ are broken. That's unusual because when you're crucified, you die by suffocation. So as you're hanging on a cross, the weight of your body becomes such that you cannot exhale. You can't get the weight off of your diaphragm in order to exhale. So what you do if you're nailed to a cross is you're pushing up with your feet to try and take the weight off of your arms so that you can catch your breath. They would routinely go by and break the legs of people who were being crucified so they cannot push up and they die. When they get to Christ, they discover that he's already dead. So per the prophecy, Isaiah 53, other places, not a bone is broken. And so the prophecy with the lamb, not a bone is to be broken uh, of the lamb because it is a placeholder for Jesus and not a bone is going to be broken. So then um, you take a little bit of, uh, a little bit of lettuce and you put on it a little bit, I made way too much of this last time, of horseradish. And the goal of the horseradish is to bring tears to your eyes so that you remember the bitterness of slavery and the tears that were cried by your ancestors. Then you take another piece of matzah 
and you break it in half, and on one half you spread more horseradish, and on the other half you spread this cheroset, which is this mixture of uh, fruit and nuts and honey and spices and other things, and it's, it's sweet. So you put those two pieces together and you make a, a, a sandwich, a matzah sandwich. And you eat this sandwich that has both sweet and wonderful pieces to it and a lot of horseradish on it. So you're just, again, you're being reminded, this is life. It's got good moments. It's got bad moments. And God is God and sovereign over all, and God can redeem the bad. And so you have, um, you have uh, the matzah sandwich. Then... Um, you send a child to the door to open it to see whether or not Elijah has come back. So in the last chapter of the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi 4, the last prophecy is given. And what it says is, the next thing that will happen in the redemption of God's plan for people will be the return of Elijah. Then we have, in essence, radio silence from heaven for the next 400 years. So there's no prophets preaching. There's there's no angels announcing anything for 400 years. There's silence until the angel Gabriel shows up at Zechariah, at the very start of the Gospel of Luke, when we started this four years ago. The angel shows up to Zechariah and says... Uh, Zechariah, you have found favor with God. He's heard your prayers. And, and your wife, Elizabeth, is going to give birth to a son. And this son is going to be the one who will be the herald. He's going to announce, prepare for the coming of the Messiah. He is going to be the one who walks in the footsteps of Elijah. Now, as Christ followers, we believe John the Baptist becomes that Elijah character. Elijah has returned. If you, if you are uh, uh, a Jew that does not believe that Jesus is the Messiah, you're still waiting for Elijah. <laughs> so you send someone, the youngest child goes to the door and opens the door to see if by chance Elijah has returned. There's a place set for Elijah at the table. Has Elijah returned? The next thing you have the kids do is look around the house for the hidden piece of Matzah, this afikomen. This is the bread uh, of freedom, right? This is the bread of freedom from Egyptian slavery. So it's at this point that, that Jesus is going to break stride. So for 1,400 years, so the entire life cycle of all the Jews that are at the table, all the disciples... They expect Jesus to take the third glass of wine and this piece of afikomen, right, this, this bread of freedom, and that he would say to them, um, look, this cup represents, uh, this, cup, uh, this cup is God's blessing on us. God is the creator of the universe, and he is the creator of the fruit of the vine, and to pass it around so each of them can take a piece. Now, what happens instead is that Jesus takes the third cup and he picks up the piece of of matzah and he says, Behold, this bread is my body, which is given for you. And then he takes the cup and he says, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for the forgiveness of sins. And that last statement 
is, go, is going to draw on Exodus 24 for language about the new covenant. It's going to draw on Isaiah 53 about the shedding of blood. And it's going to draw on Jeremiah 31 about forgiveness of sins. They will know these passages. Remember, they know what Jesus is going to say. <laughs> They've been through this. It's a well-traveled path. They know what he's supposed to say. They know these passages. And what Jesus does at that moment is he says, in essence, full stop, right? This is about me. This isn't about the Passover lamb. This bread now represents my body, which is given for you. This cup represents the new deal, the new arrangement that is being established with God. And and I am going to shed my blood for the forgiveness of sins. I am the Passover lamb. I am the new exodus. We're not looking backwards anymore. That, the lamb that was slain, those, those lambs, those were placeholders pointing to me. It's always been about me. I am the Messiah. I am the one you have been waiting for. And, and this now becomes a, an opportunity for freedom, not from slavery, but from freedom of sin. And, and at that moment, Jesus changes the last supper, changes Passover into the Lord's table, Eucharist, which we continue to celebrate.